Kira. Good morning. I uh, want to do something a little different this morning. I am going to talk a little bit about the history of this church, but I have a question. I started here about 40 years ago, just after this church started in 1979. I started, who was here then? Who was here? Come on, put up your hands right at the Wow, this story. Congratulations, guys. Been wonderful. What an amazing journey. You know, my, um, my wife came to know the Lord uh, through the witness of Kumadini. I don't know whether she is here this morning, but through the witness of Kumadini, uh, Fernando and, and some other people. As the kids went to, my son and daughter went to a playgroup. And um, she had a real encounter with the Lord and I was a very passionate atheist at the time and had a major issue with the church. So things got quite rough at home for about seven months while I tried to show her she'd been deceived and everything else that was wrong with all of this. And anyway, God prevailed, praise God. And uh, I had an encounter with him too. Um, about seven months later, that changed my life forever, and I am so grateful for that. You know, even revisiting some of those songs this morning about how God reaches in and makes Himself known to us. So, I joined this church. I think it had been going just less than a year in the heady days of the charismatic movement, and it was a wild time. It really was. There was about 60 of us. We were meeting in school halls every Sunday. Hudson and Joan had started it, uh, coming out of the Brethren Church after being filled with the Holy Spirit and running Life in the Spirit seminars. And uh, we would come here on a Sunday morning and incredible things were happening. There was healings and salvations and miracles and great preaching. And for me, for as an atheist, and not believing there was a spiritual world. To walk into all of that, I can't tell you what that was like, although many of you experienced the same thing yourself. It was just phenomenal. It actually was. And as a church, we were called the Christian Fellowship in Upper Hutt. Um, at that point, we've only recently changed our name, as you know. But as a church, we grew really fast. And through many ways, through new conversions, through people coming to Christ and all sorts of ways and walks with life. And fairly soon, we were one of the churches that was right out on the forefront of this nation, of everything that was happening and growing. And so each Easter, we used to run what was called an Easter convention over there in the Civic Centre and the Town Hall. Who remembers those days? Yeah, every Easter. And people would come from all over New Zealand, to see what God was doing and obviously wanting to be part of it. And people would come in from other countries as well to the Easter convention that we had there. And we frequently filled the Civic Centre when those conventions were going on. And, you know, let me be honest. I dearly loved those times, and I still do. But, yes, there's a but. As time went on, we began to see it wasn't sustaining people in their faith. It's phenomenal. Miracles, signs, wonders, all those things are amazing. But we began to see 
that people were coming for an experience rather than embracing a call of God on their lives. And so it wasn't that we wanted to put a stop to it, and I hope we never do. I'm still looking for it like most of you are, everywhere we go. But suddenly we became dissatisfied with just that on its own. And um, along with that went the end times teaching. Um, back in, this is back in the 60s and 70s in this nation, Australia, uh, down through America, that um, we were all going to get raptured out of here. It was definitely going to be before 1988. And uh, we would be gone and then all hell was going to break out all over the earth and all those people who had rejected Jesus were going to get their just desserts. And, um, and then after a whole lot of stuff, Jesus was going to return. And uh, this movement, it's, it's called dispensationalism. It's better known as the rapture movement. But this movement basically, and we were instructed off this pulpit, now not, not by anybody within this church, but by many worldwide visit, visiting speakers, we're instructed off this pulpit, don't spend too much time with your kids. Don't spend too much time raising your family. You're not going to be here. Your children aren't going to be adults. So just get out and reach people for Christ. And many people did that. And I mean, my son and daughter were only little kids, preschoolers. When we were receiving this teaching, well, now they're in their 40s and they, between them, have seven children. And fortunately, many of us ignored the message. And here we are, it's 2018. You can add the years up if you like. We're still here. And um, we, we realised it was damaging to the, to the kingdom of God. It was damaging to who God is as a father. And for so many other things. So in 1982, I became an elder of this church. And we began wrestling with all of this. And I personally started to seek God and studying his word with the conviction that there's got to be more than this that the Holy Spirit wants us to achieve in this world. And I was getting up very, very early every morning seeking the Lord. And, and early one morning in 1982, I received a revelation from God. And the best way that I can describe it is I just saw the Spirit of God moving over all the earth, impacting all the spheres of life, like justice, like education, like, um, like health, like all the different arenas, business and economics in a major way. Um, so many other things that we talk about in the spheres of society and life. And although the vision wasn't that clear, it consumed me. And I was lying on my study floor, just consumed with all of this. And I really spoke to the Lord and I just said, whatever it is I've seen, which I didn't fully understand, except for God showing me he has a plan and a purpose for everything here on life. 
not just a spiritual thing, not just a salvation thing. God cares about the economy. God cares about the ecology. He cares about science and education and justice and economics and business and all those realms. And they're all valid calls and expression of the kingdom of God. And God has a vision and a calling for all the people to get out and be involved in all that e- those areas. So that's what I I saw and I said, Lord, I will just give anything to be part of this. But what God spoke to me then, I'm still trying to grasp it now, is Bruce, it doesn't take anything. It takes everything. If you are going to be part of this, you can't just bring me anything. You have to bring me everything about who you are and what you do and what your life is. <clears throat> and he took me to the scripture, Isaiah fifty-eight twelve, which says, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. And that's been the guiding scripture that's taken me everywhere I've gone in Christ. And... When it says those from among you, I knew it wasn't about who was the elite people in the kingdom of God because God's no respecter of men. And I knew God was showing me they're not special chosen people. Everybody's chosen for it. But what he showed me was the fact that not everybody will accept it. Not everybody will sign up to be part of this calling. And of course, I wanted to start right away Let's get into this. But I had to wait 10 more years uh, while I studied the scriptures, while I learned about the role of the church. I was an elder here. While I developed kingdom business skills, I was still running my own business. And while I worked with the leaders here and around this nation to build the church. And finally, in 1990, God called me out from my business to the life that I mostly lead today. And I'd met Dennis Peacock by then. Dennis Peacock, we actually met him by bringing him down here to speak at one of the Easter conventions. And so where Dennis and I covenanted together to build the vision of the kingdom of God wherever the Lord opened the door. So by 1995, the work we were doing overseas had grown so much that I was traveling nearly six months of each year to many different parts of the world and things were humming along here. There was just so much happening everywhere and it was really hard to know how to lay hold of this thing. But of course, we were always understood and teaching it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than one lifetime. In fact, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He works in three generations. So it's bigger than three generations. And so the issue is you don't try and achieve it all in your lifetime. You just express gratitude to God to be part of the journey and find out what piece of it he wants you to play and what you should leave alone and not be involved in, which I think has always been a challenge. So back to this church. In... 2001, we purchased this property that we're on here through a remarkable run of events. I'm looking for a little bit of water. Thank you. Um, Through a remarkable run of events, 
And I don't know how many of you today are still conversant with them, but after years of meeting in school halls, a supermarket bought an old broken down building in Queen Street that they were going to build a supermarket with. You're wonderful, Jesse. Thank you very much. That they were going to build a supermarket on and they paid... I forget the exact price. I think they paid about 850000 for it. And, of course, they, weren't, they didn't care about the building. It was an old dressmaking shop. They were going to pull it down. Then, after a period of time, they decided the market didn't um, justify building a supermarket there, so they just left it. So we rented it and went to those meetings. Boy, it was a rough place. In fact, one speaker less sensitive than a lot of us are, trying to be from the pulpit, walked into the place, and before he shared, he looked at Paul and I and said, well, this place is a sow's ear, isn't it? (laughs) Well, of course he was right, but we were deeply offended, both of us. But so we went, and um, so we were renting it, and then the indication was they might sell it. So we had Anne Hyde, her name was then Anne Wood. She's part of this fellowship. She was an amazing entrepreneur and she started an op shop. And she said, whatever God blesses her, she will give half the profits to us as a church for a building fund. So by this time, we had $350,000 in the bank that had come from her. So we went to Auckland met with the supermarket and said, we'll give you $350,000 for this property, which they'd paid nearly a million for. And they just looked at us and said, we'll take it. So we were absolutely stunned. So the question was then, what are we going to do? Now, in the meantime, another supermarket called Countdown had decided they would quite like to have a supermarket in the CBD, in the central area. So they came and said to us, we'd like to buy your property. And we said, no, we're not interested. We've just bought it ourselves for a bargain price. We didn't tell them that. And we're going to build a brand new purpose building on it. And they said, oh, really? Well, we'll give you $1.1 million for it right now. So it took us all of about five seconds And we accepted their offer. So look at what had happened. A supermarket had bought it for less than a million dollars, sold it to us for 350,000. Then another supermarket had come in and bought it off us for 1.1 million dollars. Phenomenal. So we went and bought a section in Park Street where Mitre 10 is now to build a purpose-built building there. In fact, we'd already started doing the drains and this property came on the market. And Paul and I just both loved it and saw the opportunity of it. And so we thought, let's see if we can buy it. And we bought it for $1.1 million. So we'd not raised a dollar out of people's pockets. We had gone from a school hall to Queen Street, where Countdown is now. That's why they're there, by the way, guys. We all have a stake in that place. It's been well prayed over and ministered to, to, to... from there to here, without asking the people in the congregation for one dollar to have the building and the property. And it was just an amazing miracle from God. We moved in here in 2001. I think we had a mortgage of about $100,000. And 
We did some improvements, as you know, but um, along the way we built or built into the area the offices that are now here. Thank you. Some of you wonderful tenants are here with the goal of meeting most of the building costs and ongoing costs through the office rental and the hall hire and all those things that we did. So we need to know that story. It's part of the history here how we sit on a property that's worth probably today $4 million, seven acres of land and all what this is. And God basically put us here through transactions without us raising any money except the money he bought in through Ann Wood through the business that she did. Amazing miracle, amazing story. So, obviously, I, I, we haven't done all the things that I wanted to see us do here, not yet. And um, there's some disappointment in that, but uh, we don't get all our own way in life. We all understand that. But uh, we came here, and I had a huge passion for the theological and business side of what this place could produce. And Paul was incredibly prophetic, really bold, and highly skilled as a pastor. And we constantly inspired one another with ideas and dreams and visions for the property. And um, I have never regretted for a minute that what we did to get here and being here. So in 2005... I'm going somewhere with this. I am getting towards the end. In 2005, because of my constant travel, I resigned from eldership and was contracted here back on, in 2007 on a part-time basis to oversee the transition that we were going under, that this church was going under, and also to oversee the office staff and the property. And when I arrived here, there were 10 people working here uh, when I took over, and change was needed. <laughs> um, and I think people sensed that before, before long, there was only me and Anne, and um, a couple of part-timers running everything that was happening here. And I laugh about it today, but back then, it was just unbelievable how we managed to do that. And if people only knew how much Anne and I were flying by the seat of our pants and what we were doing, quoting, organising, making happen, um, they would be amazed. Um, our modus operandi was just wing it. That's right, just wing it. And by the time people realise we don't know what we're doing, we will have learnt. And so working with Anne, I don't know if Anne's still in the auditorium. Are you still here, Anne? No, she might. I oh, yeah, she is over there. Working with Anne was more than wonderful. It really was. She held everything together and we had a lot of fun. And Anne quickly learned to compensate for my ability to completely ignore details. Anyone who knows me, I can do them if I have to. I just don't care for them, so I ignore them. And um, so somebody always needs to cover my back. In fact, I won't take up too much time, but in the early years here, whenever Paul was away, I ran all the meetings. And everybody would sit here waiting for notice time because they would know, people would give me notices, I'd have a quick glance and say, yeah, I've got it, and get up here and give all the wrong information. 
and someone would yell out, no, Bruce, that's not this Sunday, that's next. No, Bruce, it's not at seven o'clock. And so, and so in the end, I was not allowed to give notices here. I was banned. I think I still am. I think the band still exist. But people thought, well, this is a local fun time of Sunday mornings is Bruce doing notice time. But... Um, <clears throat> But we we worked hard and Anne has done such an amazing job. Appreciate everything you've done, Anne, and treasure all those memories. It was so much fun. And so others came and went in the office and everybody brought something special. And for my role, I've just loved working with you uh, all so much. And I could ramble on forever, but I won't. Because I'm at the stage of life here uh, been so aware with Jesse and Angie leaving that uh, this church is uh, about to enter into a brand new season and God has made it clear for me that it's not for me to play a leading role in it. My role of um, helping to build and shape this church is coming to an end as God has called me with Linda alongside of me to a new season of life and Many years ago, I asked God for two things that I really wanted to achieve at the end of my life, before the end of my life. Firstly, as as you've known, I've been passionate about the message of the kingdom of God. And I asked him that I could have a period of time where I, I really am able to lock down the foundations of all the work that I've been connected with and done overseas. Um, over the last 30 years has grown significantly. Dennis and I have had to um, divide up areas and and do a whole lot of other stuff I'm not going to go into now. But basically I'm responsible for Asia, which is growing incredibly. Uh, New areas open up like Madagascar, where I'm going in a couple of weeks, and amazing possibilities in those areas. And I hold the responsibilities for all those works and those leaders along with a a small team of overseas people that work with me. And we just got to raise potential leaders. We have the ability to really impact those nations in some ways in areas of economics, business, and of course other areas as well. So I've committed four more years um, of travel in order to achieve this. By then I'll be 70 and I'll evaluate where I go beyond that. But the second thing that I asked God for was this. I want to be able to give a period of my time to in-depth study and writing and meditation. And these are things that are not new to me. They've always been a big part of my life. But I have some things that I really want to explore in much more depth. And I think I owe it to so many people that I've been teaching and preaching about to try and get some more of that stuff down in written form and on websites and other things like that, and which I want to explore in so much more depth. I also will be completing my master's degree, which I'm doing at Otago University on the topic of the kingdom of God. So in December of this year, I am releasing all my current responsibilities here at Lane Park Church, and it will now be the role of others to take it wherever God wants it to go. And although this church will always be an important part of our lives, and I'll remain open to preach here, 
our attendance will not be as regular. Uh, God has provided us with a beautiful place in Otaki, which is a dream for seeking the Lord and study and writing. And this is where Linda and I will spend much of our time. We're not traveling, we're not shifting there permanently, but we will be spending much of our time there. So here's what I want to say and and just announcing this. I have gained far more than I've ever been able to give back to this church. And when I look at it, this is where I met the Lord. This is where I learned so much of his ways. We raised our children here grew up, who grew up through the children's church and Sunday school and everything else and the youth group and became on fire for God and they've added seven wonderful children to our family. We bonded with many folks who are our lifelong friends, whether they're still here or not. I worked for 25 years in eldership with Paul Jackson, Hudson Salisbury and the others and we saw so much fruit. It was here that I met Dennis Peacock, who not only is my mentor, but we're co-partners and working in so many different places of the world. And in fact, in 30 years, I've traveled more than 2 million air miles and ministered in 23 different countries. And that's still ongoing and it's still threatening to grow. You know, it was here at this church that we farewelled my beloved and faithful wife of 36 years, Vanessa, when she went to be with the Lord. And I was crushed and perplexed, and this community gathered around me and just loved on me and gave us so much, and I'll never forget that. It was here also that I met my amazing current wife, Linda, and as a result, bonded with her family and a lifetime commitment. This resulted in Jesse and Angie coming down here, and I've had the privilege of being able to play a role in mentoring Jesse, who I am so proud of. Jesse and Angie, you guys have done an incredible job. I love you guys to bits, and just so proud of you and what you've done. I'm not going to go on, but here's the point I want to say. I am a product of this church. God brought all this to me, all my treasures, all the things I value in life through the church. And this is why I will always be an enemy of those who knock the church. So much of what God has for each of us is held within the church for us and within the biblical community. And we deny ourselves and others so much by knocking what it is. And, you know, it was here that I and many of you grew from a brand new believer to somebody who has at least some idea of who God is, what he is about, and some ability to communicate that in a way that inspires other people. This is what this church has produced. Uh, This is not my last preaching session uh, this year but it just seemed a good time to announce this. So as I contemplate my journey here, all I can do is wonder, look and wonder at this church and say to those both past and present, thank you all so much. Then all I'm able to do is bow my head in grateful worship and praise and adoration to God. It says in Psalm 16, 
My lot has certainly fallen in a fair place. And you have all contributed so much to that. And I thank you all so much. But this morning, I want to finish with a comment. And so I'm finishing now. That has almost always been important to me. If you want to change the world, you need to have a dream, not a complaint. If you want to change the world, you need to have a dream, not a complaint. I have almost always dreamed big. I still do. I still have big dreams for whatever years of my life God's got left me. And God's God dreams, and he includes all of us in his dreams. Don't ever stop being part of them. His will will be done, and his church will play a major role in that. And may God bless you all as we're all part of it. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you.